All right, hello everyone, and welcome to another one of our conversations here with Dan. Dan is ready for a fight today because we've got a fight coming <laughs> between gospel and doctrine. There you go. Now, is it an actual fight or is this one of those? Are these like, two enemies, Jed? Well, that's, I think, the question for today. I think it is. Yeah, we're starting off 2024 with a fight. So are they really fighting or is this more of just like show and gospel versus doctrine? Yeah. First of all, what's the difference between the two? Well, I think that's the question, and why is that being set up? Because I think we see this play out in a lot of different ways. You'll hear people talk about, well, I really wish we would have a gospel presentation, or I wish we spent more time talking about the gospel, and then someone will bring up something, and they go, well, that's doctrine. I want us to spend time in the gospel. Okay. So we hear that said. What What is meant by that? So we have four documents called Gospels. True. And Matthew, um, Mark, Luke, John. Yeah. Mark's gospel is responsible because it begins the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. There we go. And it ends by saying, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. <clears throat> okay. So the gospel is the story of Jesus, his incarnation, his, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, the Great Commission. But then you also have in the... Um, Book of Acts and after mm -hmm. people preaching the gospel of salvation. Right. And that included the message of Jesus and his death and resurrection and how one appropriates that to one's life. So like, for instance, in Acts, when when Paul says he was appointed to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Yes. Now, that doesn't mean he was going and reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John to them. No, he was telling them the story of Jesus and his death and resurrection and how to become Christians. That's the gospel. In fact, he defines it in 1 Corinthians 15. Let's, let's look at okay. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through, what, 4 or so? Let's see. 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 1. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed it in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the Twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, then to the Apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. All right, so... That's the essence of the, the core of the gospel of the redemptive work of Jesus. Mm -hmm. But then in, in Romans 6, you find out that the way we appropriate the gospel is by being united with those redemptive acts mm -hmm. in death to sin and burial with Christ in baptism, right. being raised with Christ to walk in a new kind of life. And so... In essence, mm -hmm. the events themselves and the way that we appropriate those events could be called the gospel. Okay. So it's almost a, here's what Jesus did. Here's how you connect with it. Yes. And then what happens from that connection? Would that all be the gospel connection? Yes. Or the gospel message? That is all the gospel. Look at the speeches okay. of Acts, you know, and the results of those speeches. You have the, the idea of the gospel. Um, so... Uh, 
Paul expands that a tiny bit in Romans 1, verse 16, 15 and 16, mm -hmm. where he says he's coming to Rome to preach the gospel. Read those two, verse 15 through 17. Okay. He says, So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. All right. So the book of Romans ends up being an explanation of the thinking of God regarding the gospel, hmm. how the gospel actually works in the mind of God. Okay. And um, so you have the doctrine of the redemptive work of Christ and how God gives his righteousness to people. And that's called in this passage, hmm. the gospel. Yeah. See, so the gospel is sort of the core, the foundation of everything. Okay. Uh, in as far as the salvation of man. So in general, when people start saying something about gospel versus doctrine, are they more using the term we want people preaching out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or are they using this, like, we want you to teach the method of salvation or the righteousness yeah. of God? I think, I think they're talking about teach the, teach the initial call of, of God to man towards salvation and how one receives salvation and how man receives the grace and righteousness of God. That seems to be the, the idea behind people's, you know, saying the gospel, which is, you know, it's, it's central, it's core. Yeah. There's no question about that. It's almost in the, in the church of Christ background that, that we're in, would that equate to when people say they want to hear like a hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized sermon, like they want to hear the steps sort of idea? Yes. And of course that's part of the appropriation part of yeah. the gospel, but the, the message of those redemptive works and how we connect with them is a more complete picture of yeah. the gospel. Yeah, Oftentimes in our heritage, people, excuse me, have used the word gospel to refer to the content of the entire New Testament. And oh, yeah. all of that content is not necessarily the gospel, which brings us into our little... I, I was going to say, that would really bring in conflict because already, like if we take the, the message, like what we've seen Paul presenting, that's a pretty clear distilled, this is the gospel message. Yeah. If you expand it then to the four Gospels and say that's the Gospel message, well, there's a bunch in there outside of just that like Jesus is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, yeah. which is doctrine. But it's in the Gospels. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then now if we expand it to, well, the Gospel message is the entire New Testament. Well, now we're, we've got a really big umbrella going on. All right. So, so the word doctrine is the word teaching. It's, there's two words in the Greek New Testament, didache, which is teaching, mm -hmm. didaskalia, which is teaching. But um, in, in Matthew 28 in the Great Commission, okay. um, if you read 19 and 20 there. Okay, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. All right. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Mm. See, there you have doctrine. So those that would like to put a dichotomy or a conflict between doctrine and the gospel would say, 
okay, the gospel is what's important, but um, there's no way we're going to observe all that Jesus commanded. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's fine to teach, but but it's the gospel that's important. It's not necessarily that teaching that's that important, which is... So I guess right off the bat, would Jesus in this commissioning... Do we see him seeing gospel and doctrine as in conflict with one Not at all. He seems to see them in tandem. They're in tandem, and they're not only in tandem, but they are, the one is the way to remain in fellowship with the other. Hmm. Uh, For example, um, even in Jesus' own didactic or teaching style, if you look at uh, Matthew's Sermon on the Mount Mm -hmm. in in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 20, his doctrine or teaching contrasted a wrong teaching with a right teaching. He says, I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And then look at the next verse and how it's formed. He says, you have heard that it would say, that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to Uh-oh you, oh now, so that, so yeah. really, if you study those, you heard that it was said, but I say to you, he's talking about the teachings of the scribes and Pharisees as he laid out in verse twenty, mm. versus Jesus's teaching. Yeah, and so he lays out one which is not entirely correct and contrasts it with his teaching. Yeah. He says, this is what's correct and authoritative. So in his teaching of doctrine, he shared what was wrong and what was right and showed the contrast between mm. them. And we're constantly seeing people's reaction to that, both the Pharisees who are mad that he's doing it, but also his own disciples. You know, he would say something like, you know, it's hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And they're like, then who can, you know, because Everything we've heard. There's a point and counterpoint sort yeah. of thing, isn't it? Yes. So anyway, um, when, when after the Great Commission, to make this more real for us, doctrine, the apostolic doctrine became sort of like the, the, the way to stay in fellowship. Now, let's, let's connect fellowship with the gospel. Okay. In uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 9, mm-hmm. we've, used, we've talked about these scriptures before. This is talking about what the gospel does for us regarding fellowship. Okay. 1-9. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. All right. So when we hear the gospel, Mm -hmm. God is calling or inviting us into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. Right. In um, 2 Thessalonians 2-14, you have a similar idea. 2 Thess 214. 214. There we go. To this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right. So you were called into the fellowship. You were called by the gospel. Mm-hmm. So so God invites us into fellowship mm-hmm. through the gospel. Now the next question is, do we just automatically remain in communion, fellowship, mm-hmm. participation with God after the after we accept that call, or can we leave that fellowship? Mm. And are there okay. any stipulations about how we stay in that fellowship with yeah. God, which is the purpose of preaching the gospel, is to bring that fellowship. Right. So doctrine becomes the guide to staying in that mm. saving fellowship. Okay. Yeah. So, um, for example, in... Um, um, 
uh, well, First John is the most basic. Okay. First John one seven through nine we've quoted many times, but First John one seven. Well, mm-hmm. we'll start with verse six. Okay. One six says. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, the son, cleanses us from all sins. All right. So walking in the darkness, if you read the book of 1 John, means walking contrary to Mm -hmm. the teachings, the doctrines of Christ. Yeah. If you're walking in the light, you're seeking to to conform to the teachings of Jesus morally, ethically, mm-hmm. uh, religiously, whatever, that's walking in the light. Yeah. Um, in Second John, verse, what is it, 4 or verse 6, mm-hmm. uh, I rejoice to find some of your children walking in the truth. Which verse is that? Verse 4. All right. And it says, just as we were commanded by the Father. Yeah. So how do you walk in the truth? Well, you're walking in the light. You're walking in the truth. You're walking according to the teachings of the Lord Jesus via his apostles. That's how that's doctrine. Hmm. And this even goes to, uh, you know, the idea of once you are connected to Christ through baptism, all these different things, you've welcomed men. There is a desire for your life to be changed. There's a necessity that your life is changed. Yeah, really. And so I guess the doctrine is telling us in what ways is your life changed? Yes. Um, you've got a number of passages about this. Look at 2 Timothy 4. Okay. Um, by the way, Jesus himself, um, we can go back to this later maybe, but in Mark 7, verse 7, when he was countering with the Pharisees, he says, In vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines. Mm. the commandments of men. And there's Mm. a very strong Mm. contrast between the commandments of men and the doctrines that come from God, that come from Christ, that come from the Holy Spirit. Second Timothy four, one through uh, four. Okay. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Repro- reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but will have itching ears that will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. All right. So now he's talking to an evangelist about preaching. Yeah. And he says, preach the word. But you feel notice there with all, what's the end of verse four say? With all... With all, in the verse four, let's say, with all patience with and all patience, yeah, and that's in the verse two, teaching patience and teaching. That word teaching is the word doctrine. Mm-hmm. See, doctrine and teaching are the same thing. Yeah. So the preacher is supposed to be teaching. He's supposed to be teaching the doctrines that come from Christ. Yeah. Look at First Timothy six one. Okay. By the way, those are not just the doctrines we read in the Gospels. Those are the doctrines that Christ passed to his apostles and they wrote in the epistles. Yeah. 1 Timothy 6, 1 through 3. It says, Let all who were under a yoke as slaves regard their own masters as worthy of honor, so the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. Those who have, believe, who have believing masters must not be disrespectful on the ground that they are brothers. Rather, they must serve all the better since those who benefit by their good service are believers and beloved. First Timothy six, uh-huh. 
And keep going, verse keep three. Keep going. Oh, the end of that verse, this is why you have a problem with like headings because it breaks a verse in half here. It says, so they are believers and beloved, teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teachings that according to, and the teachings that accords with godliness, he is puffed up, up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy, for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth. All right, so he's, he's, he's encouraging Timothy to teach these doctrines of Christian behavior, mm. which um, are part of Christianity. They're part of walking in the light. They come from Jesus they and bind people together in fellowship. Right, yeah. right. So important was this that in Titus chapter 1, verse 9, in the qualifications of elders, mm -hmm. Titus 1, verse 9. Yep. It says, He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also, be re and also to rebuke those who contradict it. All right, so Christian, Christian teachers, Christian elders, whatever, they are supposed to not only be able to teach people what is true, mm -hmm. what, what God and Christ and the apostles taught, mm -hmm. that, that takes in moral teaching, daily teaching about honesty, marriage, sexuality, um, relationship to government, uh, family, Mm. Uh, etc. You know, yeah. all of the above. These all play in together. Uh, this is all part of teaching about Christian life. It's part of walking in the light, walking in the truth. But they're supposed to be able to confront people who teach against that teaching mm. and to show what's right as opposed to what's wrong. Yeah. Now, I think a key part of this, and maybe why doctrine gets a bad rap, is what happens if we start trying to teach doctrine outside of or in place of the gospel? Well, then our emphasis becomes wrong. If, if, we, don't, if we don't clarify constantly that Christ, in our relationship with Christ, the grace of Christ, the redemptive work of Christ is the center of our faith, but in order to remain in fellowship with the redemptive work of Christ, we must walk or live a lifestyle that is within the doctrine mm. of Christ, which is the teachings about all of the things that we need to do in life and worship and et cetera. Yeah. So it's, it's almost just, it becomes another teaching. It becomes another rule to follow for no real good reason. If you separate it from the gospel message. Well, it can't possibly good. be separated from the gospel message. But one of the unfortunate things that's happening today is, there are many people um, in our country and others that are trying to say that they read the teachings of the apostles, which come from Christ and the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. and they say, well, this particular teaching doesn't seem to uh, be at the center of the kindness and grace of God. And so that's not really that important. We can neglect that teaching. We can ignore that yeah. teaching. Which so they begin to, to make their own choices as to which teachings are essential or they call them salvation issues mm -hmm. and which teachings of God are not salvation issues, which teachings of Christ and his apostles can we ignore, which can we, yeah. you know, so, and there's nothing like that idea in scripture. 
And I think that that's a whole other rabbit hole to go down of, do you believe in inspiration? Do you believe that the Holy Spirit actually spoke to these men? Do you believe that the books were written by the people they're written by? And I mean, all these different questions yes. that start to make you say, well, I don't really need to listen to these things. But even in that, then you go to the words of Jesus alone and you go, but there's some words of Jesus I don't like either. Sure. And so a um, couple of scriptures and then we'll leave it alone. John 14, 26 okay. and John 16, 13. This is Jesus before he leaves talking okay. to his apostles. 1436. 26. 26. I was about to say. Here we go. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all the things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So see, those apostles are going to go out and teach the things that the Holy Spirit taught mm -hmm. them and reminded them that Jesus told them to say. Now go to yeah. uh, 16, uh, 7, and 8. Okay. 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. All right. And he will convict the world, he says, mm -hmm. of sin and righteousness and judgment to come. Yeah. And so what is sin? What is righteousness? What about the judgment to come? He's going to do that through the apostles. Now look at verse 12 and 13. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. So see, Jesus had more to say to the apostles, but he would say it to them through the Holy Spirit, who would mm -hmm. guide them into all the truth, which is what we have in the epistles. Yeah. You know, we have it in yeah. Acts and the epistles, where they guided the churches, the people into the, the ethical and moral truths of Christian life and uh, the way they related in family and government, the way slaves and masters related, the way, you know, all of the above. That's doctrine. That's Christian doctrine, which is the, the guidelines for walking in the light, walking according to the truth so that we can remain in fellowship with God. Yeah. So again, these uh, people want to set these up as a battle the gospel versus the doctrine. Yeah. But they work very closely together and they inform one another. Yes. One, you can't really stay with Christ without doctrine. You can't get to Christ without the gospel. We continue to trust in the grace of Christ, mm -hmm. but trusting in the grace of Christ does not mean ignoring his doctrine about how we're supposed to live our life. Shall we continue in sin that grace may endure? God forbid. Which it's funny. I've, I'll, I'll hear people from time to time say, I like the teachings of Jesus, but then they're the same thing that they have a problem with the word doctrine, not seeing that they're one and the same. Yeah. Doctrine seems harsh, but that's just the English translation of, of, uh, didache or didascalia. Yeah. It can be translated teaching or doctrine. Hmm. Okay. So not so much of a fight after all. No, Jesus, <laughs> in Jesus's mind, gospel and doctrine are like this. They're buddies. They hold together because mm. one is one is God's guidance about how to stay in fellowship with God. Uh, the first, the gospel is God's guidance about how to how to be called into the fellowship with God in the first place. There we go. All right. Well, thanks for joining in. Thanks time for your time today, Dan. I hope it's been helpful. Yeah. And as we always say, send in your questions. Let us know what uh, maybe how to explore that a little deeper. Any questions on a particular passage? But we'll see what's coming up for 2024. And we hope you'll be here with us. Amen. We'll see you all next time.